Right on, writers, and welcome, first-time viewers, back to the Books by Adrian author platform. I forgot my own title for a second. Uh, I am your host, Adrian Santiago, and this is Typewriters Podcast, a sort of companion piece to live stream Sunday, where we, we kind of deflate after the production and spend a little one-on-one -on -one time with our guests, talk about our craft, and, uh, and about the show that we just did. So uh, like, comment, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Don't make me tell you again. It's easy. Just click the button. Um, let's bring our, our guests back out here. The one, the only, the great and powerful Mike DeFrench. Mike! What's up, man? What's up, that was dude? a great show. Dude, I'm pleased. I don't know about you, but I'm pleased. I, I thought I thought that went very well. Oh, you know, technical difficulties aside, Wi-Fi, fucking. <laughs> I mean, even with tech technical difficulties, I I think that was a killer show. That was that was great. I appreciate that, man. I, it, it you yeah, know, good. fifty percent of it is the guest. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, I, I I'm glad that we got through everything that I wanted to get through. Um, this show is a little more, you know, laid back. It's a little more conversational, just you and I kind of shooting the shit, Gavin. And, uh, you know, uh, as I said, kind of, uh, it's like, a, it's like a debrief <laughs> after the mission. Um, so in, in, uh, talking about writing and how we do it, you know, you, you write your short stories, you write your, your novels, you've got your short stories being collected into volumes and, and coming out very soon. You've got killer covers you've got multimedia aspects to all this stuff how do you find the time bro you're you're a father with two kids just like me how do you find the time to do all this stuff um <clears throat> stop sleeping you know uh you spend so much of your time sleeping that if you just cut that out you uh you'll have a lot more time to write and and do other shit um but it will affect your mental health and yeah. your physical health. Uh, it, it it does have some some negative side effects uh, to some it. Detractors, so you, sure. Yeah, you got to weigh those those odds. Uh, but no, uh, uh, another thing is try to work in fifteen minute segments, at, at least as far as the writing itself goes. Hmm. Like if you're trying to write something, try to figure out okay i can get this many words done in 15 minutes if i'm really focused and then find those different parts of 15 minutes that you can work into your day to build onto whatever your project is and you can do a lot with a few 15 minutes here or there throughout your day you can get the whole like uh done. sprinting mentality right you know do, do little short bursts uh and and get through it that way huh sprinting but not word vomit I, every time I I feel like I hear uh, sprinting, it's associated with word vomit. Like you know, just get it out and don't um, worry about the quality of it. I would say, don't do that. Don't ever do that. Ne you know, and that works for some people. For me, if you're like me, never ever write something that you think I'm gonna fix later. Mm. Uh, because fixing it later is the worst part of writing. So, right. You, me you mentioned that you're not you're not too fond of the editing. You just feel like getting it right the first time and moving on. Yeah, hate that. Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, I have entire novels that I've restarted because I would rather write it from the. I'd rather take the idea and go from the beginning and try to get something good 
uh, the first time through than to fix something that didn't work. Well, then let's talk about the roots then, because, you know, every author does it their own way. You've got your plotters, you've got your pantsers, you've got your architects and your gardeners, which are a little, you know, intense versions of the of the previous two. Uh, what's your process like? It sounds like you're, you're kind of stream of consciousness uh, pantsing it, uh, unless I'm, I'm misunderstanding. It doesn't sound like you're plotting ahead. You're just sitting down and writing. Yeah, no, def definitely pantsing uh 100 um that's terrifying to me that that's the scariest thing in the world <laughs> i can't do it so the problem with me is as, as soon as i sit down and plot something when when i go to write right. it i'm bored mm. because I you feel know, like you've already written it yeah i already feel like i did all the fun parts Mm. So to me, plotting is the fun part. It's figuring out where this is going to go, what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the fun part. So if I do that before I even start writing it, then it's just all like manual labor. It's like moving dirt from one pile to another. Interesting. Uh, has, has no interest to me. My creative mind will just shut off and I won't be able to write anything. It's so fascinating I, to me how we're all so different, man. Because yeah. for me, plotting is is literally that it's 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 just plot but for me the most important thing of any story is character and so while i'm plotting i'm literally just writing down these are the story beats that i want to hit as i go but then when i sit down to write i consider myself more of a gardener i plan what i'm going to write my plot but once i start writing i'm discovering the characters and that's where like things change and i'll often have to go back to my outline and fix it and change it up you know to, to fit this new idea that came out of when i was actually writing and it, it kind of evolves that way um but yeah man it's just so funny how we all do it a little different you know i was watching an interview between george martin and uh and stephen king and you know two incredible writers each in their own right stephen king far more prolific he gets a lot more books done you know, George R. R. Martin takes a lot longer to get a book done. And one of the things that George asked him was like, how the fuck do you write so many books so fast? <laughs> and Stephen King is like, well, if I want to write, you know, a 380 page book in two months, that's six pages a day. So I just write six pages a day. I just sit down and write six pages a day. And George Martin's like, this does not compute. How do you do this? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Like, like I've been working on, on, on one, one book for the last, like, 11 years 11 years i'm still waiting george uh, i think i've seen that interview yeah i don't think um a song of ice and fire will ever be finished personally Dude, I, I i not by I, george martin i'm an optimist i have high hopes uh you know i see a future where he he goes full vegan and loses about 200 pounds and adds a, another you know 10, 15 years to his life and gets both final books out. But, you know, that's just me, fingers crossed. I love that series, man. Uh, I take a lot of inspiration from his books for my own. Uh, you know, the the point of view chapter structure that he uses in those books, I kind of stole and, and, and put into my books. So fingers crossed for George. Fingers crossed for George. I think he, he's one of the best um, he's fantastic. writers in fantasy in he's terms amazing. of... Uh, getting into a character's head. Yes, he he is um, incredible, and that's what and, he taught me. Um, yeah, I I have uh, I I advocate a lot of um, writers to type in other authors' works mm -hmm. 
Uh, I, and I, I remember that on your TikTok. That was the first thing I yeah. saw from you, I think. And I was like, oh, I got to follow this guy. He's got some ideas. <laughs> yeah, that was, the, that was the first time I ever had a video go like even remotely viral. Mm -hmm. It got, get, got like a ton of views. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can learn a lot by like just literally taking the book and typing it in yourself. Just how you would type your own book and and kind of learn from them as if you're like, I I think I equated it to playing a song. Like if you want to learn guitar, mm -hmm. playing somebody else's song, learning to write, write somebody else's chapter. Like write the beginning of some of George Martin's chapters. He he is so good at just taking you from one word into holy crap, you forget that you're even reading because you're entirely inside you're of in this character's mind. Yeah. We were talking last week, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, Garrett Robinson about George Martin and the fact that this dude writes three stories in one at least, which is to say that you've got the main plot going on right now in the story. You've got the history of the world that is also being unfolded before you as you read. That's the second story. And then he has like this astrological thing going on where he has like constellations in his universe that all have backstories to them and are mirrored in the stories of the characters. And so when you're reading about, you know, Jamie Lannister, the you know golden haired you know uh, uh knight he, he's a reference to like the sun and then his his sister is a reference to the moon and like things that happen between them are telling you what happened to the sun and the moon thousands of years ago and i'm like how the fuck does this dude do this it takes him 11 years but he does it <laughs> you know yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, incredible. i think uh brandon sanderson is even more impressive he's so what, good what too he's man. doing and we'll see how that pans out. But as it's looking right now, I don't think he's stopping anytime soon. I think he's going to way surpass Martin and, and be I think remembered you're right. way more. I think eventually you might be right, especially of once his, more of his stuff gets adapted. Uh, it's going to bring a wider and wider audience to him as well. So here's looking forward to that. Um, dude, I, I remember that TikTok where you were talking about you know, rewriting somebody else's chapter. And you're not the first person to suggest that. I saw somebody else, and I can't remember what writer it was. I wish I could remember off the top of my head who suggested it. But you, uh, you, you, you explained it in a way that made it click for me when you equated it to learning a song. Because in my teen years, I was in punk bands and stuff like that. And I'm a terrible guitarist, so that's punk is the only thing that I could play, you know, power chords and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But that's how I started learning was playing other people's music. I would look up, you know, the, the music sheet and just, oh, he does this, 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 and this, and, and just trying to mimic whatever they were doing until I learned how to play a song before I could ever learn to write my own thing. I had to learn how they did it. Dude, and once, yes. And, and once so you, you tied get that it. together. So, so like when you're especially looking, re reading from tabs instead of, you know, like, uh, like sheet music. Sure. You have to like look at the tabs and you see where your fingers go. Mm -hmm. And so you get how to place your fingers to make the sound, but you don't get how to make the sound that they were making in the song until you play that chord. Mm -hmm. enough times to be like okay they did it they were holding it this way and they strummed in this way 
Yeah. You know, until you can actually get it like like that's how writing is. Like you mm-hmm. you you can say somebody used these words in italics and they had their par- paragraph break here and you know whatever. But you don't really 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 get it until you put it through your hands enough times that it starts to just like it's like muscle memory. It's yeah. just like playing music is muscle memory. A lot of writing is muscle memory. Like you want to be able to just kind of like as you're writing flow straight into in, into anything that you've learned, you know. Yeah. And you know, I I <clears throat> one of the first things I did after seeing that from you was I went to book 1 chapter 1 of Game of Thrones. And I, and I looked at that first line, the first line, the first paragraph, but the first line, I was like, he sets up everything in this first line. He sets up the world, the season, the fact that it's medieval, the fact that like everything in that like first effortlessly. sentence. Yeah, he's it, so it good. Looks, he makes it look so easy. And and it wasn't until I was like, let me let me write this out and see how exactly he's doing it. Because you're right. It's exactly like, it's not just that, you know. As you're writing, you're you're giving people setting and and emotion and 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 uh, you know sensors. Uh, what's it called? Like sensory uh, uh, applications. Like it, it's how they all kind of weave together and flow. And you don't learn that until you're like writing what other people have written. I'm trying to do that more and more now, especially before starting book two, because I'm I'm writing a series. And once book one is completely done and and off to you know the printing, I'm diving into book two, man. And before I do that, I'm going to do a lot more of that uh, writing other people's stories. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I I recommend anybody to just go ahead and type out the entirety of the prologue for A Clash of Kings, where it's the old maester yes. trying to slip the poison mm-hmm. and, and see how he takes... Because... In the entire book one, Stannis is never a point of view character. Stannis isn't in the book. Nope. He's, he's only mentioned. mentioned but, he's, but but his character never shows up. Um and so that prologue, I mean, it is a it is just amazing what he does in the prologue of of a clash of kings. Write that, write it a hundred times until you until you can try to see what he did because I don't even think he knew what he did when he was doing it. He just, you know, he had read so much epic fantasy. It was just so ingrained in him. And I think he wrote Clash of Kings like, you know, Game of Thrones came out and then I think Clash of Kings came out the next year or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, a year or two, yeah. A sure. year or two and then Storm of Swords like a year or two after that and then there started being these delays. But like, Clash of Kings, he was in his freaking zone yeah and that prologue man is just so good it's from a a throwaway character like throwaway is in like they're only ever in that one chapter he kills off his prologue and epilogue characters yeah yeah yeah. and and it is just amazing i i highly recommend just type that whole thing out and see what he did how how he takes the setting of was it called Dragonstone, Dragon, yep. yeah, Dragonstone. Dragonstone. How he can describe the setting of Dragonstone and at the exact same time build. I mean, it's like an eighty-year-old character. The history of an eighty-year-old character 
into all of this and into the plot that has gone on in Game of Thrones and it's going to go on in Storm of Swords. It's incredible. If you yeah, want to see a master at work, the prologue of A Clash of Kings is phenomenal. That book it blows is one of my, my favorites, mind. man. The Battle of Blackwater in that book is just mind blowing. There's so much good shit in that book, man. Clash there of Kings is. is really good. Clash of Kings is really, really good. It's really good. I all of them are really good. I yes. I, I mean I love that series. I just don't Me too. think that he's going to finish I, it. I know, I know. I'm just you know, hope, hope hope. I would love him to finish it. I, I, love- I really would do. He's he's sounding a lot more positive about it these days. He has been bummed out for a while about finishing uh winds of winter and his latest like two updates have been very upbeat very positive he's writing he's feeling good about what's going on it, it feels like it's moving and i'm just like come on george come on george. dude give give it to me give me those books <laughs> give it to me oh man but yeah dude yeah it's good stuff and you know neil gaiman is another one that's just like that where where i'm, I'm gonna start doing that with him too because the stuff that he does is right up there with with George Martin. I've never typed in uh, Neil Gaiman. I, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start doing that stuff, man, because he's good like that too. Plus, he's got that you know British voice to him, so it, it it almost feels fantasy, even when it's not. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. got this kind of like old Earth kind of feel, no matter what he's writing. So yeah. I, I dig that he does a lot with that with his with his voice. So, um, so what is your favorite from uh, Gaiman? My favorite from Gaiman uh, might be a uh, uh, you know a, a an easy answer uh, the go to, but it is this bad boy right here. If I can, American Gods. I don't know if you've read it. Uh, this particular edition also has a little short story sequel to it called The Nancy Boys, um, and not longer than a short story. A novella. It's a novella. Um, American Gods, if you haven't read it, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, set in what we would consider the real world, but it's fantasy as fuck, man. Um, it's all about uh, the war between the old gods and the new gods and the one man stuck between them. And it's just mm, so good. That's my favorite by him, but I, I love so many. I, I mean, half of the books up here are Neil Gaiman. Uh, graveyard, um, the Graveyard book, which is the jungle book, but set in a graveyard instead of the jungle. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so like Mowgli, instead of talking to animals, he, he sees ghosts and vampires. And oh, that's awesome. Oh, so good. Uh, what else? Neverwhere, which is like the London underground, but literally underground. It's with fantasy characters. Great. Uh, short stories. He does a lot of great short stories. He's got Smoke and Mirrors. Fantastic. And uh, Stardust, of course. Lots of Neil Gaiman in here. And of course, Lord of the Rings. I got some George Martin in here. Yeah, it's all good stuff. Yeah, my, Obviously, my these favorite. are not all my books, but... <laughs> uh, my favorite is is absolutely American Gods. I, I, I love that book. It's so good. It's so good. And here's the best lesson that I learned from Neil Gaiman, and it comes from American Gods. You see how beautiful this this edition is. Um, obviously, this is not the first printing. He has printed this book many, many times before he got to this very, very nice edition, right? The pages are almost transparent, like a Bible. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a really, really nice edition. And yet, I find typos and mistakes in there when I read it. And it tells me that one of the greatest authors of our generation, with access to some of the greatest editors 
in our generation. No, no, no. Still has with, typos with editors that were paid thousands of dollars to find those that typos too. and fix them. And there's and there's still typos. That in there. probably a computer program would have found. Yeah, no. That's there's no magic in traditional publishing. So when whenever there's people no are perfect book upset about you know my book you know it has all these i'm like who cares dude there's no such thing as the perfect book a song of ice and fire has typos in it like it's you're it's okay, always the, gonna, the, it's gonna have the terms of service agreement for amazon prime has typos in it <laughs> hey, you realize how many fucking lawyers have been over that shit it yeah everything there isn't a such thing as a perfect book and if you are a aspiring writer that is um troubled by having your book be perfect before you publish it or something like that watch the lecture it's called the pursuit of perfection by christine Catherine rush okay. okay she is amazing she's a very prolific very successful fantasy and sci-fi writer She's written epic fantasy series like what if do you, you know, got? You know. If you know, what, you know. What, <laughs> it's a doorstop. It it's a doorstop that says Hodor. Hodor. <laughs> Sorry, continue. I just You're it. good. No, no, no. <laughs> so look up <clears throat> The Pursuit of Perfection by Christine Catherine Rush. Um and and it's it it is literally an entire lecture. I think she gave it at the have you heard of 20 to 50 K? I'm okay. That's another big one to look up, look up, especially if you want to indie publish, uh, 20 books to 50 K. Oh it's yes. All... I have, I have heard okay. of that. I haven't gone dove into it yet, but yes, I did dive hear about that into that because I, I mean, I hate Facebook with a passion, not for any real reason other than just like <laughs> the mess. platform itself just yeah, i hate it but 20 books to 50k is a group on facebook invaluable information that you're going to get from these people it, it, it has so many successful indie authors talking about what they did and what their processes are um it's it's uh if you're indie publishing be in that group because you can learn so much and then if you do something successful you can share it there and and help other people too beautiful um that's better than any subreddit any any group that i found is 50 books to 20k on facebook 20 and books to 50k yeah so you had to go through like some sort of um vetting process to get oh. into the group but what? you have to <laughs> I, you have to like just it's basically like saying what books you've published or what you want to publish or something like that just to make gotcha. sure that you're not just like going on there to spam advertisements and it's not spam like they delete everything that's like sort of spam advertisements it's just right about people talking about more of the business side of it and mm -hmm. and what has worked in in sales and and what results they've gotten in sales and and spending spending on ads and stuff like that it's yeah. uh, i think it's a great group i'm gonna check it out for sure for sure i've got a i've got a, a group of my own on facebook that i don't really do much 
with other than occasionally promoting my own stuff and you know sharing like little writing memes and stuff that i find uh, i've been looking for something more productive to do with it because i'm like you I, i'm not a huge fan of facebook i i have it i had a personal facebook for years i don't do anything with it anymore it just sits there i don't communicate with anybody on there yeah. i really just have it now for the the you know the platform this platform and the group and whatnot so uh that, that'll give me something to do when i am on there i I appreciate that. Sounds good. Sounds good. It's like the only reason I, I have Facebook is that yeah. group. It, Fair yeah, it's, it, it's very good. Right on. And, was the, sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's just like a lot, a lot of uh, people that are doing the same thing that we are trying to do that mm -hmm. have seen a lot of success, go on there and just you know no, you know no bullshit just. Mm -hmm. say what they did and what worked and what didn't work uh, and it's great to especially see the people that were successful you know with no bullshit just say what they did what they wrote what genre what, how they promoted it and 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 see their results and it's very inspiring to see like you know people doing the same exact thing that you know we're doing and making big bucks out of it. And, and, goal, and it just reminds you how possible it is. It's super, super, super possible. Yeah. You know, and, and we, you know, we talked a little bit on Livestream Sunday about the traditional publishing thing and the literary agents and all that stuff. And the whole time I'm thinking about the whole reason why I decided to go self publishing is because I, I talked to traditionally published authors and I talked to self-published authors and the thing I was hearing from literally every traditionally published author was I had to write so many books and query so many books and try for years 10 years 15 years 20 years whatever it was until I finally got published and then I had to keep publishing more and more books for many many years before I started turning a profit and I'm just like and you had to do all that self-promotion yeah. bullshit too and I'm just like you like, don't that get any you don't get any benefit from being traditionally published except for getting your money sucked away from you. And and you know like one one lady was telling me that you know she was publishing books for a good 20 years before she was able to finally quit a day job and be full-time author and I'm just like I need to I need to put out a book and be able to <laughs> quit my day job like a year later. Like I, I I'm not playing this shit no Dude, more. Dude, I man. I would say it's probably it's probably <laughs> like Somewhere, somewhere in the neighborhood of ninety percent of traditionally published authors are not making a full time living from mm. their book sales. Yeah, there, I, there's I, I need no to. way. <laughs> I need uh, to. Me too, man. Yeah, man. yeah. Because I mean, I, there's there's just nothing worse than punching a clock for somebody else's business, making them millions of dollars, and I can barely, you know pay my rent on time it's just like not nah, dude like i need i need to be able to do what i love and make money doing that and what i love to do is writing so that's what and, we're designed to do as human yeah, beings as do like what you spiritual love. beings yeah absolutely and you know i have pie in the sky dreams i would love to run a show uh be a showrunner and, and and you know run a, a writer's room for a tv show someday i think you would do a great job at that I, I thank you very much i part that's part of my goal with this book as well i you know um I, I've talked about it on the channel before that I, uh, for my story structure, I went with uh, what I learned from the Screenwriter's Bible. I'm writing novels, but I structure them as a film uh, with the story beats that a film hits. 
because number one, I want them to be easily uh, adaptable later on. Whether I make them into movies or TV shows or somebody else does, I want it to be easy for them to be as faithful as possible to the source material because that's, you know, like everybody else, I care about that kind of thing. But it also will make it easier to sell, I think, if it's already structured like what they want and need in order to do it. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming at, where like I want to write great books and be a great novelist. But also, I want to be able to sell this to a movie studio because that's where the money is. You know, I might not make all the money off all of right, the book, so, but I so might make some money off of the movie. <laughs> so you're doing uh, epic fantasy, right? It's uh, This first book is a murder mystery sci-fi fantasy world. As the series goes on, it'll get more and more fantasy and more and more sci-fi. Those two will, will overpower things a little more. Um, but yes, yes, uh, it's, it's, it's epic stuff. I'm, I'm, at so least I'm trying. <laughs> Why don't you knock out a couple of short stories that are in the same universe? I, I because... plan on doing that as well. Yeah. In between book one and two, I plan on writing at least two short stories, if not up to five, if I can swing it to put out like a little like reader magnet type dealy before the book or maybe in between book one and two put it out so that not only do people not have to wait three years for the next book, which is honestly what it might take me to write it but they'll have a little something to hold them over. And yet it's still the same universe tells maybe stories in the history rather than in the current timeline and kind of yeah. flesh the world out that way. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's in the, it's I in also the think that uh, short stories are more easily adaptable to film than, than novels. Novels are too big. Yeah. And it you also like, you can't put everything in there. It also helps you as a writer to like get to the end more often. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the more the ends you write, the better and better of a writer you become. Uh, yeah. You know, it, I, I have been working on this novel for almost three years now. It's, it's, it's a labor of love. I, I don't regret it, but it would be awesome to have put out two books in that time. You know what I mean? So it's I, like, yeah. a an awful analogy might be like imagine if you were like some playboy and you like never got to the end with with like you know so many partners and then uh <laughs> and you're like well i'm just i'm working on getting to the end with this one specific person you'd be a shit playboy the you end. know <laughs> yeah man that's not a good playboy nobody's satisfied Everybody you're not a playboy at all. You're, yeah. you're a fail boy. Yeah, yeah. That's not good. you know that's actually a really good analogy. I think it works really well. <laughs> My guy, um, was there anything uh, that you wanted to talk about on live stream Sunday that maybe we didn't get to, or anything that you kind of wanted to touch on uh, with your projects? Anything at all that that maybe I didn't ask or the audience didn't ask? No, I, th I, I think we got to everything. Amphetamine Daydreams on Substack to keep up with it. Amphetamine Daydreams uh, on Amazon and the physical release if you want to keep up with the kind of chronological order of the canon, I guess. Um, but no, I think we hit everything. Right on. One thing I remember now I wanted to ask you about before we, we wrap up is, uh, you know, your, your actual novels. You write a lot of short stories, but your actual novels... They have kind of a theme to their to their covers. They all kind of look very similar. Are they all a series? Are they all standalones? Why do they look so similar to each other? What's that all about? Uh, they aren't. So I was going with like a branding approach. So mm. I wanted like my horror suspense to kind of be 
a brand together and then my sci-fi to be a brand together fantasy a brand together um now i'm kind of like just mashing everything that fits into the amphetamine daydreams uh brand and then i might do a re-release of the novels like i'm serializing them kind of in order uh in amphetamine daydreams so i might do a probably will do a re-release um in time but for now the only reason that they're really so there's two of them voyeur.exe and uh game we don't play anymore are kind of joined together but requiem for black rose is more of its own thing but it's also tied to the same universe a lot of connected universe stuff is going on so it's going to be easier once everything's kind of under the amphetamine daydreams umbrella to explain the connect connectivity of everything right on i don't know why but those those two books were the ones that jumped out at me when i was looking at at books to mention for you the game that we don't play anymore and uh, Voyeur.exe, those were the two titles that I was like, okay, these are the two that I'm going to mention among all of these titles. Um, why, why are those two so so special to you, do you think? Um, well, I think the cover for Game We Don't Play Anymore is really good. I think that draws a lot of people in. Um, Voyeur.exe... It's got a cool title. Yeah, I think it has a <laughs> title that um, will draw people in. You know, you're kind of yeah. like curious about what what the heck that means it's um, funny because you know now I, I on a previous season of Livestream sunday i had a guest who writes erotic fiction bdsm erotic fiction specifically and so the title of that episode was talking bdsm erotic fiction with uh and and the, the author's name who's escaping me right now uh that is my number one viewed video uh, <laughs> And and it's because it's a bunch of like you know perverts looking for for BDSM stuff, and they all jump off after like a minute. Like everybody watches <laughs> a minute, and they're like, "This isn't what I want," <laughs> and they're out. So like when I saw Voyeur.exe, I'm like, "Ah, <laughs> click." There we go. That's not the best selling one though. The uh, <laughs> the best selling one is is game we don't play anymore that by by a lot. Time. Also cool time. Um, people really like that one. Can't wait to read. It's them also both, the man. only book that has a chick on the cover. Might be yeah. that. I don't that know. Might, that might be helpful. I have to that experiment with my covers more. Put put more girls on them. I don't know. The uh, the 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 amphetamine daydreams uh, have a couple of like very pretty but creepy girl faces oh. on the cover, right? And then all dude, the, the I have stuff. some so am- amazing ones for the future that are oh, in the exact same geez. style of like, <laughs> you know, face with ex- explosion with of like madness, madness coming yeah. out. Oh, yes. so good. <laughs> dude, I and love it. I don't know how I stumbled onto that, but I was like, this it's is working perfect. For it's Let's working. repeat this as many times as possible. It's working for you really well. I recently went to a, uh, a cover artist on, on around that area right now with my book, and I sent her a very rough little sketch of like my idea of what a, a good cover might be for my book. And I told her, you know, interpret this however you will and, and figure it out. 
and she came back at me with like, this isn't going to work for a cover, man. It's too busy. It's too much stuff going on. Like I, I can't do all these buildings. And I'm just like, oh, okay, fine. I'll go to somebody else. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I wish I was more artistically inclined, but, uh, but I, I might take a page out of your book and give it a try with those AI uh, generators. Cause it, you're, you're giving it a shot. Dude, the worst you're going to do is like lose five bucks and then still have some sick art that you can use for whatever you want. You know, there's no loss because everything you create, you can still use, even if you don't use it for a cover. You use it for for a blog post, whatever. It's yours. Mike, I'm a fan. You have made a fan out of me. I'm a fan. You made a fan (laughs) out of me, man. This this is so much fun. That's what I'm going for, man. I'm going for fun. Uh, and, and information and education and support and community. And, and we're just here to, to help each other out, man. Because writing is such a solitary, uh, you know, f- uh, action that we do, a, a solitary craft. And uh, it doesn't have to be. We, we can all just kind of uh, hold each other up a little bit and help each other out. So, yeah, man. That's what we're here for. Man. It's very true. It, it, it can be lonely, man, especially when you're like got your head buried in some project and feel like you're the only one that gets what's going on in your in your brain you yeah. know that that can get very <laughs> my uh my prologue for my novel only exists because after a mushroom trip i had to write a short story about the mushroom trip so i wrote what i thought was a short story and and then i was like shit this is like a prologue to a novel so then i kept writing and i turned it into a novel and then i'm like shit this is the first novel of a trilogy <laughs> it just kind of kept that is what happens to me anytime i try to write anything longer than like all right i'm gonna write a one paragraph story yeah then that might be like eight thousand words yeah that, if i if i give myself any sort words. of like yeah if lot. i give myself any sort of leeway it's like all right we got an eight book series now i'm like fuck no dude i don't want to fucking write an eight book series man my, my editor and Gosh. all my critique partners have all told me the same thing they're like dude your prologue is too long and i'm like okay what do i cut out of it they're like i have no idea you can't cut any of this <laughs> i'm like that it's not too long like, <laughs> you just got to make the rest <laughs> of your material longer so that it's short <laughs> in comparison the, the rest of the chapters are are fairly standard around 5k per chapter they're, they're fairly well, what's reasonable. the prologue the, uh, the prologue is okay so it's a murder mystery right so in chapter one uh there's a detective you got chapters to... in your prologue no no no, no. Uh, i'm just trying to like give you context oh. in chapter one of the of the book uh, in other words, the following chapter, we meet the actual main character. She's a detective. There's a crime scene and there's two dead bodies. The prologue is introducing those victims to you while they were still alive. One of them is a point of view character. And so I felt like if if I'm much like George Martin in Clash of Kings, if I'm introducing a character and I know that she's Bro, dead in the next read one. read your prologue? Is it in a I barn? sent it to you. In a what? A barn? It is or not like in a, a barn. A farmhouse? She's from a farm. She's, she's from a farm. She's from a farm. She's out of the farm. It's in a city, but she is from a farm. So you might you might be like maybe you started it. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, I had some TikTok posts where I, mm. I asked people to send me me stuff and then I've had other people ask me to read their like prologues gotcha. and chapters gotcha. and stuff. Well I sent so it to you. Everything uh, kinda like blurs together. I, I have not read what you sent to me yet. Just because I've had my head buried kind of in getting 
the first three volumes of Infinity oh, yeah, Dave. Dude, we're all we're all super busy. On, it's on, good. On, on reading that. Um, at, at your at your leisure, my friend. At your leisure, no problem. I just at didn't all. know if I might have read it before. No, I because don't it, I mean, my own stuff blurs together. Like sure. I don't remember what I write myself. Like pe people ask me, like what I, what I meant, or or if I remember writing about whatever sentence and mm -hmm. and whatever story. I'm like. Dog, I I don't remember. Especially if you're a pantser. I don't remember like, yeah. what I wrote this morning. Yeah, as a pantser. So that's why I think that if we ever did that short story thing yeah. together, yeah, like live stream short story thing, write the damn story. Yeah, that could sure. be very interesting because I'm like plotting. I that's, just dive right in. I use a name generator and figure out what the fuck is going on as I go. That was part of the challenge with the first person that I did it with. Uh, I did it with uh, a writer named Martin Lejeune. He's a, a British writer, so uh, already he has a very different voice in his writing. His writing is also very funny, where mine tends to be a little darker. And uh, and then on top of that, I am a, a plotter to, to an extent. He does outline his stuff, but in spreadsheets. I don't do spreadsheets. So like, it was a very, very, like two very different minds coming together to write a story. It's fun. You, it's, it's in a playlist on my channel. You should check it out. I will check it out, man. And, uh, I, I, I love what next, I man. was in for <laughs> as a participant. So I want to go through and see all, all the writers that you, you talk to now. So far, it's only been that one that's done write the damn story. You are you're next up because because you know you're, you're the first person since to express uh, interest. Oh man, that sounds like, like a man. blast. That sounds it's like, fun. I mean, we we get fun. into some real good stuff. Some shenanigans for sure. Yeah. And in the in the first episode, we do a lot with the since it's live, we do a lot with the audience and figuring out what's our story going to be. You know, they'll throw up some prompts. Just oh, like some dude, that so would like, make yeah. plotting really fun. It's going to be a blast, bro. I, I will be in touch. You know, I've got live stream Sunday going for the next 14 weeks. And if I keep to my schedule writing wise, my book should be coming out right around the time when uh, this season of live stream Sunday ends. So I will be open to writing new stuff at that point. And write the damn story is going to be making a comeback. So I will be coming to you, my friend. For Dude, sure. hit me up anytime. Anytime. I'm down. I'm down. We are out of time, Mike. We're 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 all we're all out of time. I want to keep going, but uh, yeah, me too. I I had a fantastic time. We'll we'll do it again. Oh yeah, sometime. this was a blast. This was a blast. We'll yeah, we'll, we'll keep absolutely. collaborating for sure. Yeah. Thank you so very much for coming, man. Uh, for everybody at home, uh, the website is in the description. For Mike DeFrench, sign up to his newsletter. Go check him out on TikTok. This guy gives great writing advice. Uh, dude, you've been a, a fantastic guest. Thank you so very much for coming. You've and, been a fantastic uh, host. This has oh, been a pleasure. From your lips to my ears. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Everybody no, like, comment, subscribe. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And until next time, I will see you guys on Sunday with our next guest. And uh, happy writing. Right on, writers. Yeah. Right on. <laughs>